0: Hi, and welcome to the HSP World podcast. With each episode, we invite a guest with the HSP trait to have a conversation about a burning HSP-related question they have. We're not coaches or therapists. We're HSPs holding space with you. I'm one of your hosts, Thomas, and your other hosts are...
1: Robin and Ray. Hi,
2: everybody. Welcome to our latest episode, latest at the time of recording. Uh, A little podcast humor for you. Uh, Joining us today is another guest, Christian. Welcome, Christian.
3: Hi, thank you for having me.
2: Thanks for joining us. Christian, do you mind starting us off by telling us a little bit your HSB story, how you came to realize that you had the trait?
3: Of course. So this happened about three years ago. I was actually in a therapy session and I kept saying to my therapist oh oh, she kept saying to me actually um, you're very hyper aware and very aware of different um, environments and situations so I immediately went home and googled just being sensitive to different environments Hmm. and up came up HSP which I'd never heard of before but from there I did my research and that's how it began and from there I felt very Understood, and I brought it back to my therapist at the time, and we talked about it. We talked through it, and that's how I found out.
2: Wow. Okay. Thank you for sharing. You know, uh, you made me think of uh, Elaine Aaron's story. Actually, the way that she came up with the term "highly sensitive" is a kind of similar story, where she had a therapist, a good therapist, reflecting back to her that this was a prominent trait for her. So. Yeah, that's made me think of that. So Christian, maybe you can tell us what your question is for us today.
3: Yes, so my question is how can an HSP person thrive in the workplace.
1: And that's a really that's a really good question, Christian, and you were saying that you recently started a new a new job, so that's what brought the question up for you, right?
3: Yes, exactly. And it more sense from like how to navigate reading the room and different meetings or working with various people at one time and having moving projects at the same time. And how can you use your highly sensitive trait to really leverage your work? Right. Oh, that's a really good
1: question. It's a really good question.
2: Yeah, thank you for bringing our attention to this one. Um, I believe that concerns about how to cope with and or thrive even in uh, the workplace is one of the top concerns for highly sensitive people. It's one of the things that come up time and time again.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: And I think there's a lot of reasons for that. I think uh, many workplaces are not um, suited to highly sensitive people's needs. Depends exactly what you're talking about. And I mean, maybe now I'm thinking about the the days of when we were all still in in offices. Just some of the immediate concerns that would come to mind are not having enough personal space, uh, quiet spaces, lights, smells, um, interruptions can all really affect a highly sensitive person more than uh, they would uh, non-sensitive or non-HSP. And I think probably in our virtual setting, some of these same concerns are going to come up. Actually, if I may bring it back to you, Christian, what what do you see as some of the core areas that you've been thinking about as a highly sensitive person? Some of the things that come up for you as a question?
3: Definitely, um, since I have moved to more virtual work environment, I've kind of had to set up my room as also my office. Um, so setting up my environment to be very work friendly and warm for me to work in and also the amount of Zoom calls I'm in <laughs> has also right. increased um, and navigating that as a HSP key, sitting in front of your computer for long hours of the day and also within those meetings, how to stay engaged and being sensitive to like you mm. know, the, the verbal cues and stuff like that too.
1: Mm. Well, I know... I know for me, see, yeah, because this is a little, it's a little bit different because we're dealing with uh, a lot more online, but in a way it's similar to what, you know, what it's like, you know, physically as well. And I suppose for me, it's really looking at the time, the time factor. So if it's meeting with people, it's, you know, having a good understanding of, of what what is the objective of the meeting? You know, how long is the meeting going to be? Is there a preparation before the meeting? You know, those kinds of things, because those seem to have quite a big impact on the actual meeting. <laughs> you know, <like laughs> if, it, if it's not, if there's no, you know, if, if there's not set things that we're going through during the meeting and it's just kind of going everywhere and everybody's talking you know, nothing's really being decided on, or, you know, we're not making progress on whatever it is we're doing that can tend to, you know, that, that's, that's kind of a big drain for me. That's a big drain. So I like to have a good idea of those things ahead of time. And also, you know, sometimes there's meetings and, you know, you get invited and really, you know, there's not a lot to offer. (laughs) You <laughs> know, there's either too many people in the meeting or, uh, you know, whatever it is. So I think it, I think a lot of it also has to do with the expectations, you know, also, you know, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, I think that has quite a bit to do with that as well. Um, you know, an introvert will tend to get a lot more drained from a lot of meetings than, than most likely an extrovert HSP will. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Ray, how do you feel about this, Thomas?
0: There's, there are a number of, of things that have come up for me. So, so first of all, I've been out of an office for 16 years. I, I am self-employed now. But I do remember back in the late 90s and early 2000s, the transition from offices to open plan seating, and, I, and that was very difficult for me. Mm-hmm. because it used to be you you know you you get an office and you can close the door or even if you have a cubicle you can cl- you know you you have a little bit of privacy and you can focus on what you're doing mm-hmm. and in open plan it was basically you're just sharing a table <laughs> a big table with a bunch of other people mm-hmm. and y- you know you basically you relied on having headphones or or earbuds or whatever to try to be able to focus. So I don't know how it is today. I don't know if open plan is still prevalent. I think it's still pretty prevalent in the tech industry. Yeah. But definitely having a cubicle or or even an office helped me in in being able to do my work. Hmm. Now, one thing that I do in my home office is a couple things. One is I have a heating pad on my chair, so I'm always warm and, uh, and that helps my body quite a bit. It helps my back, it helps my joints, everything. So I swear by the heating pad on my chair. The other thing I do is I have a, a Pomodoro timer and I don't know if you're familiar with the Pomodoro technique, but the idea is, is to, to time box your activities and I set my timer to for 25 minutes, and what that does is it helps me focus. One, but it also gets me out up and out of my chair every half an hour or so.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And again, that's also good for the body because if you're just sitting for for several hours straight, mm-hmm. it, for me, it, it really affects my joints, my knee, especially my knees and my hips. Mm-hmm. So it's important for me to be able to get up every half an hour and. And the Pomodoro timer helps helps with that. Mm. And then as far as as Zoom calls and meetings, I've kind of fallen in love with this idea of the stand-up meeting. And I don't know if you've you've experienced that, but the stand-up meeting, it comes out of the agile method, agile methodology. And the idea is, is that the team gets together for 15 minutes and it could be once a week, twice a week however often it needs to be. But the meeting is held to 15 minutes. And, and the purpose of the meeting is is to basically find out, okay, do you have what you need? Is there anything in the way? Are you stuck? And so the meeting is very, very much to the point, And you know that it's going to be over in 15 minutes. And you know, it's just a check-in. That's all it is. And and I, the reason I love it so much is because, well, number one, being self-employed, I now feel like I'm part of teams. I mm-hmm. I do many stand ups during the week, and they're all very short, and and uh, and yet I feel like I'm part of something. And the other thing is, I know that I'm not going to be sitting there twiddling my thumbs and being drained by an agendaless theme, so to speak. <laughs> So, so those are the things that have come up for me in, in terms of this idea of how, how, to, how an HSP can help themselves in terms of, of workplace, in terms of meetings, and in terms of working at home.
2: If I may, uh, I'd like to uh, zoom out for a moment. And I'm going to bring up a reference here. This is a book. It was written about 15 years ago. So not everything is quite up to date, but I still find it a really useful resource for thinking about highly sensitive people in the workplace. It's called Making Work Work for Highly Sensitive People by Barry Yeager. And a couple of the concepts that she puts in there, I find really helpful for tackling some of the big questions about um, how HSPs can feel good in the workplace. So she outlines three areas. And what, we're t- what we've what we been talking about, all of this, I think, follows, falls under the area called conditions. Okay, there's conditions, there's tasks, and there's people. It's interesting because I think conditions is the number one thing that HSPs are going to complain about. Uh, the meetings are too long, I don't like being on Zoom, I'm not comfortable in my chair, the microwave smells weird, like these are the things that are most apparent to us. But on her theory anyway, it's the smallest factor of the three. And I think that's because it depends on other things. So like we're talking about, you know, um, okay, having, having efficient meetings that only last 15 minutes, right? Or, I don't know, maybe asking to take a break or something like that. But if your relationship with your manager is terrible, Mm -hmm. if your manager is someone who doesn't really care what you think and wants to do their things their way Mm -hmm. and insists on having a full hour-long meeting, then it doesn't matter that you have all these great ideas, right? Mm -hmm. So I think her point is a really... And it's it's interesting because I always thought as well, like, oh, conditions are what count, right? But... It, you have to go deeper, right? And people—people, people, which means by like people is not just—it's who you're working with, but it's also what are their values, what mm. are the values of the company or team that you're a part of, mm. and what is the nature of the relationship, right? So mm. often that's the most powerful place to develop when things are going well in the relationships, and when you feel aligned um, with the values of your team or company then your chances of getting the other things, the tasks and the conditions to be improved uh, for you, you have have a better chance of doing that. So, I mean, I don't know if this uh, applies in your situation, Christian, but I think that would be, I I think it has to go through that first. I think you have to make sure that you're, to the extent that you can, right? And I mean, so... Sometimes just identifying it is helpful as well. Sometimes saying, okay, I'm in a place where the values don't necessarily jibe with my own, right? And you can see it at different levels. Like, okay, what are the values of my immediate supervisor? What are the values of the team? What are the values of the larger organization? Depending on where you're working, right? Or if you have clients, what are the values of those clients? I think kind of doing an analysis of that can help you understand where things are working or not, and kind Mm. of delineate the the possibilities, because sometimes sometimes you just have to come to the conclusion, okay, my possibilities for thriving and growth are very limited in this job and or this position and or this company, Mm. right? Sometimes you you just have to tell yourself that you have to say, not the kind I've walked away from a job where I realized, you know what, the values of this company are really at odds with my own, I'm not going to be able to thrive here, just not I tried, but I'm just not. And I think if you start from there and then kind of work your way backwards as to, okay, what are the tasks that, that I'm doing? Do I feel good here? Does this fit with my strengths? Are they varied enough? Are they consistent enough, right? Is the level of responsibility that I want to have, right? Then you can develop that. And then as well, following from that, the conditions of like working at home and setting yourself up in a way that works for you. Does that, I don't know, what what do people think
3: of this? Uh, That's really interesting to think bigger in that way. Um, I think you have a good point to start with the work relationships first and then work your way down.
1: Yeah, I, I, I have to agree with this. I mean, I, I, I just found out I had the trade three, four years ago to Christian, but I can say for my work history, the places that I did, uh, that I liked, that I stayed in, that I stayed at for longer periods of time were uh, places where, um, you know, I liked their values. You know, I felt supported. I had a good relationship with, you know, my boss to the point where I remember one job I had done a bunch of different projects and then there was really nothing to do. And I just went into my boss's office and said, like, I'm bored. You're like, you're going to have to come up with something because I'm leaving. If you don't do something, I'm bored. Right. And they said, well, you know, what are you interested in? You know what, what's kind of what, you know? And so, and it was really cool. Like they created a position for me. Because they, you know, they they liked my work. They liked the stuff I did. And they weren't kind of confining me to a box to stay in. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So the relationship, the, the relationship with my boss was really, that's what made the difference. That that's really what made the difference was that I was able to be, you know, I felt comfortable going if there was, I was struggling with something or I also, you know, the places I did well at, I was not micromanaged. I, I don't do well being micromanaged, you know,
3: mm-hmm.
1: just tell me what I need to do and you know, <laughs> I'll go ahead and do it, you know, and if I made a mistake or something's wrong or whatever, you we, we know, we can deal with it. Then, you know, of course, you do whatever training you can, you know, ahead of time. But um, yeah, I would have to say, I, I, I really do agree with what you were, I liked your points, Thomas. And I, and I agree with what you're saying. Robin, about the values and the relationships and what is the, what's the climate of the work culture, essentially, you know?
0: I would, I would add to that, that if you are HSP and self-employed, that you have a choice of who your clients are, Mm -hmm. or you, you, you try to have a, a choice of who your clients are, because you want to, you want to make sure that, all of your relationships all of all of your clients are people that you want to work with mm-hmm. so that's one thing that I do when I'm when I'm vetting new clients is I I try to figure out very early in the relationship is this a person that I want to be working on working with for an extended amount of time mm-hmm. so the relationships are re- are really important mm-hmm.
2: um, so one of the ways to manage a relationship is through communication. And I find it really interesting, one point that you brought up Christian about verbal, but I guess we can also add nonverbal communication. Could you say a little bit more about that? Um, What is it that you'd like to know about like the challenges of verbal or nonverbal communication? Um, I don't know if you mean particularly in an online context or just in general.
3: um, Specifically, I was referring to like an online context with Zoom meetings. you get a lot of like the, the verbal communication, but sometimes you you don't get the nonverbal communication. And sometimes you get a lot of it as well with just facial expressions. But in, in, in person meetings, you can see someone, you know, tapping or shaking their, you know, if there's someone shaking or something like that. And sometimes in the Zoom meetings, you don't get that nonverbal communication. So that's what I was kind of like referring to.
1: Mm. And, the, and that you find challenging, Christian.
3: Yes. Um, so if there's not a lot of facial expressions, then sometimes it's kind of challenging to read how their verbal communication comes across.
2: Mm. I mean, you're definitely right that that's a, a limitation. I find that a lot in email. Email and text, right? It's so much more susceptible to misinterpretation <laughs> because you don't have tone and, and nonverbal feedback. I mean, one, one thing that you do have in uh, a Zoom call or a phone call, you do have tone of voice, mm-hmm. right? You do have pacing, hesitation. So you can maybe amp up your, your uh, nonverbal uh, literacy for like rely more heavily on the auditory mm-hmm. nonverbal, right, cues than, than the, the facial expressions. So that, that's one way to do it. i I would have to look into this more but i i think what i do is i i start like relying more heavily as well on on verbal cues right so asking more clarification questions calling out awkwardnesses well that's when i'm managing a, a meeting right i'll say okay i noticed there was a really long pause or people don't seem sure about this question like can we L- What's that you about? Know, limit, like yeah, yeah. Limit, <laughs> uh, let me let's let's talk about that. Was uh, this a yeah. difficult? Uh, is this a difficult point? Do people have hesitations? Would you rather write to me privately? You know, that kind of um, kind of leading into it a little bit more. Mm-hmm.
0: One one thing that I've started to do also is is to just recognize that it goes both ways. I don't do it a lot, but sometimes I'll follow up on either the chat channel, you know, private chat or, or Slack, if, if the company's using Slack, to just check in and say, hey, you know, I noticed this. Is there anything I can help with? Whatever. And then the other thing I've noticed is that I tend to, myself, in, in Zoom calls, I tend to turn off my facial expressions because mm-hmm. I sort of feel like, oh, I don't need to, I don't need to be you know, I don't need to do anything, but I've often gotten feedback is, is like, why did you look so, um, so distressed?
2: Uh, and, I've, yeah, I've, I've had this happen to another, right? to, to a friend. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And,
0: and I write back and say, I wasn't distressed. I'm fine. You know? So I've met, now made it a point to, um, to smile even though you know I might not do that naturally but I smile and sometimes I'll laugh and ch- and chuckle and and I notice that it actually causes other people to to laugh and smile and 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 it perks up the meeting even though um you know I don't oh, I don't know how to say this but it's like I I never thought that that I am responsible for other people's well-being in a in a meeting context but actually i am you know like
2: like being joyful
0: and being happy and participating is an important part of what what i need to do even though my my introversion and my hsp might just have me hold back Mm. thomas
2: i'm just imagining uh that you've like photoshopped on this big grin <laughs> onto your face at all times
0: yeah like one getting one of those masks with a big
2: smile on it it just kind of follows you around awkwardly yeah
1: sure How yeah. how is this stuff um sounding for you christian
3: yeah i mean a lot of it is uh resonated definitely before the position i was in i'm in mean, now i was I was working at a PR firm and they had an open space for the office and I hated it. <laughs> um <Yeah. laughs> it was awful. But I'm I'm hearing a lot of really reflect like maybe like personal reflection on my values and how I feel supported and how I define having good relationships and um applying that to my workplace with my coworkers and managers, boss, things like that, and communicating that with them to really thrive in the workplace.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, you know, it's interesting because for so long, HSPs, I think we're fighting for better access to uh, remote work because it does help us very much with that conditions element, right? Like it gives us a lot more control over our environment to have the right volume, the right lighting, other things mm-hmm. that we need to, to structure our day to be at an optimal level of, of stimulation, right? Mm-hmm. And now we've all got it. <laughs> and unfortunately we're seeing, it's different when you ask for it than when you're forced into it, right? <laughs> uh, Cause then you, when you're forced into it all the time, then you see the uh, the other side, right? But I think it, it's just good to remember that it does afford us a lot of uh, benefits specifically for, for HSPs, right? We can use those to our advantage if the other parts of the puzzle, like the, the good relationships are, are there. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I, the working from home situation has fared me way better than the open space situation. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, cool. mm-hmm. Yeah, That's awesome.
0: Well, Christian, thank you for today's conversation and I'm curious how you feel about it. Uh, did you enjoy it?
3: I did, yes. Um, It was super insightful. I'm definitely going to go look up Making Work Work uh, by, what was the author's name? Barry?
2: Barry Yeager. Yeah, we can put a link to that in the
3: uh, the show notes. Perfect. Yeah, that'd be great. I'll definitely be researching that book after this (laughs) call. (laughs) And yeah, I think it's a super insightful into you guys' experiences as well and hearing the the various um, obstacles that you guys have gone through and some different tips. So I feel like I am equipped now to um, go back to my boss and coworkers and kind of um, define those relationships and set those boundaries, things like that.
0: Fantastic. Well, thank you for joining us.
3: Of course. Thank you for having me.
1: (laughs) Thank you, Christian, for your courage to ask the question. Uh, it's a really good question I, and I really enjoyed chatting with you about it and I know your question is going to be helpful for other HSPs
3: of course thank you yeah I, I hope it helps other <laughs> HSPs and they work from home setting too
2: excellent yeah so thank you everybody and thank you to our listeners please join us for our next episode where we'll be having another interesting HSP conversation And to any highly sensitives out there who have a burning HSP-related question, whether it's a big one or a small one, we invite you to ask it on the HSP World Podcast. Just email info at hsp.world.